gospel reading for this morning comes from Luke's gospel, beginning with the first chapter, the 46th verse. This is the Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Well, Lord, we thank you that your Creator Spirit is not cramped up in rooms or caged up in its own story, but that it moves untamed, utterly free to raise up prophets from barren wombs. This Creator Spirit shapes its own law, ever mothering a broken world and preparing ways untrod before. Our minds and our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about Bethlehem this morning. And you can say many things about Bethlehem, but one thing is that Bethlehem was and in some ways still remains a small town. Now, how do you know you live in a small town? Well, you know that you live in a small town when your car breaks down outside of town and news of it gets back to town before you do. <laughs> and you know you live in a small town when the local phone book only has one yellow page. And you know that you live in a small town when you call the wrong number, but they supply you with the right one. And you know you live in a small town when the New Year's baby is born in October. <laughs> need to think about that for a minute, but it's true. And you know you live in a small town when it takes 30 seconds to reach your destination and it's clear across town. Well, you got the idea, I think. Small towns don't get much respect. But I want to tell you this morning that the greatest person who ever lived came from a small town in one of the unlikeliest places on earth. You know, like his fellow prophets, Micah speaks out against the sins of the people and the nobility. The people have become spiritually unfaithful to their one and only God, Jehovah. And their sin was misplaced loyalty to the only God who truly loved and cared for them. Now the leaders of the nation, they hated justice and they perverted all that was righteous and holy. The judges, 
were taking bribes so impartially that justice was just impossible. And the priests, they were to teach people about God, but they would only do it if the price was right. They had exchanged their caring for greediness. Leaders and followers alike were proud and clearly offensive to God. And Micah predicts that because of their sins, Zion would be plowed as a field and Jerusalem would become a heap of dirt. Well, the invasion and destruction by Nebuchadnezzar fulfilled that prophecy with painful accuracy. The Babylonians came and took Israel's, Jerusalem's king. They killed his sons before his eyes. They blinded him, put him in shackles, and hauled him back to Babylon, where he was imprisoned. Well, Micah then shifts to a positive ruler who will be born and will become a shepherd king to all of his people. And this shepherd king, who will bring hope to the people once again, will be born in the smallest of areas. Now, Bethlehem is a town six miles southwest of Jerusalem. It's 2,500 feet above sea level in the country of Judea. And in those days, it really was kind of on one of the main roads that led to Hebron and then eventually on into Egypt. And in Jacob's time, it was called Ephrath, and it was the burial place of Rachel. After Israel conquered Canaan, the name was changed to Bethlehem, which means house of bread. It became known as the city of David. It was here that David's great-grandmother, Ruth, met David's great-grandfather, Boaz. It was here that David's father, Jesse, was born. It was here that David was a shepherd who kept watch over his flocks by night and later was anointed king by the prophet Samuel. And it was here that the greatest praise gathering in history took place, because immediately both heaven and earth began to sing out the praises of Jesus, and the praise was really in three parts. First, there was the pronouncement and the proclamation of the angel. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the then, there was a celebration of a choir, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and singing, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And then, there was the adoration of the shepherds. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. 
And if you stop and think about it a minute, that really does sum up Christmas. First of all, it is about proclamation. We ought to be sharing what we know about Jesus. Then, it is about celebration. We really ought to be singing about Jesus. And then it is about adoration. Because we ought to be about the business of loving and serving Jesus. And Micah said that Jesus would come from Bethlehem and Prophet. And the city had these two names, Bethlehem, House of Bread, and Ephratha, which means fruit fields, or fruitfulness. And perhaps this is yet another reason why it was important to be born in Bethlehem. Because Bethlehem refers to bread, and Ephratha, fruit fields, refers to wine. Bethlehem has always been a place of fruitful vineyards. So the bread of life comes down from heaven to enter human history in the house of bread and wine. You know, there have been some pretty big events in the life of Israel. The Exodus, Moses, and the Ten Commandments, David anointed king, the return from the exile in Babylon, but none are bigger than the events in the little town of Bethlehem. Because you see, this is not another in a long series of events of God's actions shaping world history. This is God. First person. Singular. And through Jesus, we have a future filled with hope, both in the world and for the next. And through this gift, this inbreaking in time, we have learned that nothing can separate us from God's love. Not death, not political power, not the present, not the future. And this manger is where we can lay down all the hopes and fears of all the years, knowing that they will be taken up by the one who came for that very He shall shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth.